0: Everyone and welcome to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. I'm Janine Toro. We're an LGB podcast highlighting people in the community doing some incredible things with their lives and career. And we're here to share these stories with you to provide a source of inspiration. So today's episode, I'm really excited to announce we have Robin Exton, founder of the Her app. It's known as the uh, the lesbian social app, formerly known as Datch. So one of the things that stood out to me is how it's described. We want her to be on your home screen where you check daily to giggle at lesbian jokes. We want you to get all your friends on it. We want it to be where you go to find out what you should be doing tonight. So welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you. Thanks having me. Yes, of course. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about um, yourself and your background and a little bit about her? Sure. So my name is Robin. I am
1: 29 years old, approaching 30, um, <laughs> and uh, I'm uh, the founder of Her. Um, and so Her is a mobile app. Um, it's just on iphones at the moment but in about like six to eight weeks time we'll be releasing our android version which i'm really excited about and we are a platform for um uh, lesbian bisexual and queer women to meet each other it started off a, a while ago um as a strictly kind of dating platform and uh, i think as we started running it and uh, using it and learning about it and the community kind of took a hold of it we realized that it had a much bigger potential reach and so now it's a place where really you should be able to like connect with your existing friends find out what's happening in your local scene or community like the club nights the like poetry nights the events that other people are going to um and now we actually like host events for people to come along to to meet other people inside of the community
0: So what was part of the inspiration of switching it from the dating app to this more social app? One of the
1: main triggers was we had loads of users who were in a relationship and they were using it. And it seemed really um, unusual to us because we were like, God, this must be really uncomfortable. So you have to explain to your girlfriend that you're using it just to make friends or they would both be using it. And we would get like couples profiles and couples would create um, an account together and use it because either they were, like, on vacation or they had moved cities and they just wanted to know, like, how they could easily connect with other queer women in their community. And I think uh, as that number started to grow, I think we realized that, like, there's, I mean, most of the team are LGBT as well, so I think we all have, like, our own personal insights on it. And things like the events that take place in a city and wanting to have queer female friends, like we all had that. I knew that I knew that we wanted that. And so as we started to see that people were using the dating platform for that, it kind of made sense to open it up and use it all together.
0: Yeah. So I actually came across one of your Reddit Ask Me Anythings and I thought a bunch of it was really interesting. Granted, it may like steer a little bit more to the dating side of the app, but you were saying that you found that there was like a real big difference in how men and women actually use dating products and a couple of your findings, like um, I'm just going to pull right from the Reddit said that guys are often looking to meet up quickly. They'd rather meet someone sooner and figure it out if they like them, but women, they tend to like book a date two to five days in advance. So things like location just aren't as relevant to women in the same way that they are to men. Uh, also women tend to look at a profile two to four times before sending a message, whereas guys only need to like have one look and they'll contact the person. And women tend to be terrible at things like creating profiles. And they also tend to undersell themselves or easily be embarrassed or don't show off the best parts of themselves. But guys are more comfortable with this. So when you were building this, were you using this information to build out the product more specifically for women? And how do you think this sort of research has helped grow the app? so I think it's interesting
1: because like that so that was um almost like two years ago I think that we did that and I think uh the insights that we had at the time generally a lot of those principles are true but actually I think the extremity of those differences has become a little bit less just because of like how prominent dating apps are and uh, whether it's ours or other platforms um uh, the behavior of people has changed so I think uh, ages ago you know we used to have this problem of like girls were awful at kind of starting conversations and they found it much harder to create their profiles. I think that people are learning to get better at it because they've got more used to it. So I think they still feel uncomfortable doing it, but they're better at putting in information because they know it's more valuable. But when we were looking at it like two years ago, I think, uh, yeah, it was, we would mainly, uh, we would sit with users and then we would just use data from inside of the app to see what was working and what wasn't. And, uh, our biggest problem was getting good profiles together and we used to have a kind of text description space and so, like 90% of the time it would say, don't know what to write, I'll come back to this later or ask me or like, uh, it's me, say hi. And just things that wouldn't actually reveal any character or insight. And what we found at the time was actually images could communicate all that stuff about yourself that you probably wanted to say. And so we focused quite heavily on doing the image-based profiles on the journey since then, we added text items in, so you can still add kind of text pieces to describe yourself. And I think we're probably going to add an about section back in again now. Like a lot of this stuff goes in full circles, um, but so that you have the option to have both. But I think uh, girls do use things, diff- like um, from what we saw then and I think what we still see now, girls do, it takes them longer to say yes to someone. So the likelihood of them liking a profile is a little bit lower than a guy. They want to see someone more times or see more profiles will often see a behavior where people will go through a whole bunch of profiles and then they'll go back to one that they saw four profiles earlier and go, actually, I will say yes to you. So I think the way that they kind of like navigate who they want to talk to is slightly different. And I think uh, the main thing, main, since it became home, we've had much more of the kind of social behavior inside of it the best place where users meet each other is through the feed section. And when you can see someone actually talking about something or having an opinion about something or sharing like a part of themselves, it's so much more like human and real. And you're not having to describe yourself, which is a forced situation. You're describing something you care about or something you want to say. And that's much more interesting and real to someone else that wants to talk to you. And it will be much more likely to lead to a conversation.
0: Yeah. And I, plus I think it gives a way for people to interact where they may normally like resist it. So like say someone's posting like, "Hey, I'm going to this event tonight in San Francisco," or "Hey, you know, what do people think of the new episode of House of Cards?" or I don't know, whatever it is. Um it sort of gives a like a way to give feedback and sort of create a conversation. Yeah, so we do things like we'll do kind of like live chats inside the app around certain events. So like we
1: did one around the Oscars. When We do one around Gaycation when that came out, Ellen Page's show. Yeah. Um, we'll do one around like Orange is the New Black when that starts. And it's, it's people that have similar interests that want to talk about That's a similar thing, just talking about it. It's like if you went to a bar or if you went to a meetup that was about a specific thing and you meet other people that have that same interest, you're going to be more likely to click with them because you know you've got that stuff in common.
0: Yeah, which I think is really great. I find even being in New York City, it's very hard to... Meet other like, lesbian or queer or bi-identified women in in the in the in the sense of a friendship. Like it's not like I don't have like my the L-word set of friends, you know. Like, yeah. Um, uh, so I think that it's nice that it provides this outlet because even like there are few lesbian bars. Like maybe there's three or four that are specifically quote unquote for women or more, you know known that women go to but men also go to whereas there's so many more for men i mean even just events and whether it's events going to a bar no matter what it just seems it's more male-centric and maybe there's just more of them or more of them are out but i think one of my favorite features of the her app is that events section yeah so i i didn't i
1: think there are the same number of queer, well, I think there's the same number of like LGBT women as there are men. I think, um, there's more gay men than gay women, but there's a lot more bisexual women than there are bisexual men. And uh, the kind of new queer label that like tends to have more of a catch-all is like, a, probably growing in both genders. I think it's probably about the same volume, but I think the behavior of men and women is totally different. Like, even if you look at straight populations, like men go out to bars drinking more often than women do. Like, you know, it's always been an age-old problem for nightclubs. It's why they always give women pre entrance because there aren't that many. It's always guys that go out and go spend money on alcohol, and they're physically present in those bars and venues. So I think you're only going to see that problem exaggerated when you look at single-gender, like, uh, focused venues. But I think... uh, the answer to that for the female community has been across the world. Like most of the lesbian bars are closing down. There are a couple that are doing really well, but the majority of them are closing down. And uh, what does work really well though for women is the events and it's the club nights. And I think it's because women like, uh, like to have a specific reason like a purpose for going out with an identity and a plan and they're like cool i'm going to this club night or i'm going to this bar or i'm going for this kind of thing and they'll definitely go to the one-off events but the problem with one-off events is the discovery of them because half the time like when i first started going to like uh, lesbian club nights in london you'd suddenly find out about this whole new one and be like shit this is amazing (laughs) it's like a Such hot girls and such a cool vibe. How did I not know that this was happening here? And it's because you have to be in the right Facebook groups or be have gone Mm -hmm. to one of the events to get the invite to the next Facebook event. And there's not that place to kind of discover them. And on top of it, you know, a lot of people start new events because they think that there isn't stuff already out there, but there is. It's just you can't find that stuff. Like Meetup is a great space. And there's tons of events that are organized through Meetup. And again, if you're not using that platform, you just don't know about them. So what we thought made sense like for the community is just to like highlight what's already happening there so people can find it more easily and find the other people that are going i think events can seem a bit intimidating if you're going by yourself and going for the first time and so the idea of finding who else is going and being able to message someone beforehand and seeing if they want to meet or or even after the event like if you saw someone and missed their number it has like an easy way to be able to get hold of them then we can do that
0: yeah I mean I think it's great like even last night I was looking at it and there was apparently like a gay night in Astoria and I was like I had no idea that there are gay nights in Astoria like I had no idea but I and that's what I think is so great about it it's like you're really discovering happenings in your area that you can easily check out something new for the night right like yeah
1: there's so much stuff like you know someone just go I was thinking the other day there's like a hike that's going to take place like in the East Bay and there's a big parties and then there's like, I mean, things get submitted, like there's a Comic Con and you know, there's like 40 queer women going to it. Like how awesome is that? It's gonna be a huge event, but there's gonna be 40 queer women that I could message or meet up with individually beforehand and actually like uh,
0: get to spend time with them. So have you received any feedback? Cause I know you said you do user testing and I'm sure you probably get emails or whatever method of communication through the app from users that they are finding this very valuable or features that they want, or like what kind of feedback are you receiving? We get a lot of feedback um, and it's fantastic because that's the best thing about having like a really engaged,
1: active community. Um, And the constant balance for us as a team is to prioritize like what goes through. So we get stuff, I mean, we get stuff from support, just like our, like a support team gets suggestions that are sent through or things that are broken. We get stuff that comes out in the feed section where people will just create posts inside of the app and say, I'm really looking for this feature. We get app store reviews we do questionnaires that get sent out to users we have the actual data so you know every day we get millions and millions of interactions that we're like analyzing to see what are the patterns what are people trying to do that they can't like what are the most commonly occurring things and try and piece those bits together and then we have the things that don't even exist or like you know like building android that's it's got to such a bad point now. It's a, we're a fairly small team, and so we didn't have an Android engineer for a while. And then now that we're going and we're building it, but like I, we can't even write a post on Facebook or Instagram without someone being like, where's bloody Android? And like, oh, my God, it is coming. And then, you know, the people in the existing app want new stuff. It's a, So it's just always trying to balance, like, what we think will create the most value to users and, and what's kind of causing the most frustration or things that they love the most and building out those new things.
0: So, so I'm curious. Why did you build iOS first? Um, uh, honestly, I don't know. Like, I mean, it was
1: it was back in the day, and I think uh, I used an iPhone, and so I was probably like, yeah, that's what I want to use. I think uh, Android is a, there are like big upsides and downsides to both platforms. Like, Android is fantastic because, particularly outside of like the US and the UK, it has huge, like, hugely higher numbers of users than iPhone does. Um, iPhone has a slightly different kind of like design and aesthetic, which mm-hmm. uh, like I personally am more used to and kind of preferred. Um, and so it was easier for me to think through that. Android has a lot more testing that it needs to do. But the great thing is Android, you can test a lot faster because you can release a lot faster. So there's like pros and cons to it. It both.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to me just because I work in user experience and like, you know, okay. you you tend to, you know, your most of the time your audience is more on a certain uh, uh, more on a certain platform. But I think that it's great that you're going to be expanding. And most people do. I mean, do start out with iOS and then move to Android, but um, I can't even imagine how many more women will be on the, on the app yeah. once you release. Yeah. I mean, I like whenever I'm
1: talking to someone that's wanting to set up an app and they call, like they ask for advice or something about it. I, if I could do it again, I wouldn't start with iOS. Like I'm, love it, but I would probably, I would start with a web client. Like, I think, you know, building a web-based thing is much faster. It's easier to change. It's like, it's clearer to find engineers for it. So I think if I did it all again, I'd probably do it differently.
0: That's uh, yeah. Next time. That, well, that's really interesting. Actually, do you think it's just more accessible as a web client versus an app or it would just reach more users?
1: So mainly for me, it's just about speed of um, updates and testing. So, you know, we, we are constantly running tests in the app in every single build. So we test like different sign-up pages. At the moment, we're testing different like buttons to see what like causes more likes to be made and more matches and more friendships. But with those, with the Apple Store, it takes about a week for any new update to be approved. Whereas if you do it
0: on a web version, then, you know, it's instantly it's- out there and you can start seeing results from it that's that's really interesting um so do you think well now you're also in many countries right yeah yeah we just did that last week which is awesome so, i'm really I,
1: excited so like we did a post uh, yesterday to see and it's like all these people just posting they're in like peru and bulgaria and it's awesome yeah really exciting th- th- so was your background always in tech no. So um, I was working at a brand strategy agency um, and uh, one of my clients was a dating company that was in the UK and uh, they were they used to run a really big white label platform. So they were looking at different customer propositions or new ones to start. And a friend and I had been like chatting about a bunch of ideas that we would have loved them to do and they didn't end up wanting to do them. But I think it just kind of got me interested in the dating space. And then as I started like datch as it was like moving into the dating space then got me into the tech side of stuff. And I think that like, I think that's um, a really big part that I kind of fell in love with about the company.
0: So did you ever see yourself being this entrepreneur? no um i did not <laughs>
1: I, honestly, it was just, I've, I've never seen myself to be an entrepreneur type person or do you know it just it, it never was something i ever thought about or considered that i would do and then for the first time ever i did myers-briggs the other day and as i went through one of those quizzes it came out as the entrepreneur and i was like oh fuck <laughs> <God."> <laughs> what is this um i i didn't to be honest, I still, I still don't see myself as an entrepreneur. I see myself as someone who I really want to, today know, like work with a cool group of people and solve a cool problem and build a business around it. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I just don't like the word entrepreneur it feels like someone who is trying to be something that they're not quite. So I think if we can like make this work and make a great business out of it and a great team and um, a great place where women want to be, then that's what will make me happy.
0: That's awesome. I mean, The fact that all this sort of happened, like, would you say this was one of your biggest risks? Like, what was going through your mind? Like, obviously you had an idea. You're like, oh, hey, like, this this could be awesome. Like, let's build it. Like, it doesn't happen overnight, right? Can you talk a little bit about sort of like how that happened in the process?
1: Yeah, I honestly think like uh, when I think back to when I started it and when I decided to quit my job and start doing it full time, if I had any idea what was involved with doing it I would never have done it like uh, if I actually understood how hard it was going to be and how like how my life would change forever I I think it would have intimidated me and scared me and made me think impossible the only reason I think I did it and have managed to like continue doing it is sheer like ignorance and lack of awareness like that uh, I was like well wow, what could be so bad like uh, let's just quit my job I can figure it out later I mean I like I did something I don't know I think the way people always say that when, they, when you start a company up, you always have to have a safety net of some kind. And for some people that can be like a financial one. For some people, it's like an emotional one of like someone who can like hold you when you're crying yeah. on the floor. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I think like when I first started, mine was a financial one. So I took, um, about a year to like save enough money to be able to do it. And so, um, I, uh, Moved in with my dad, saved uh, all the rent from a year. um, Well, I paid him like minimal amount to cover bills and stuff, but basically saved all of that money. And then I like started working jobs in the evening. Um, I sold loads of my stuff. So I kind of gave myself like a financial cash to start off with. As soon as you start running the company, all of that money runs out and you end up (laughs) with like nothing at the end of it. And and then I think just like uh, relationships that I've had at the end of it, like uh, my, the support of like my mom has probably been like a huge, and, and all of my family and all of my friends, like when you're doing it, you end up treating the people you care about like absolute crap because you constantly choose the company over them. And it really like tests your relationships. So I think people who have like always stayed um, like great friends and cared about me, that's like helped a lot. So having like some kind of security net, whatever it is for you is, I think, a really important part of it.
0: That's amazing. So, when you came out to your family, were they very supportive initially?
1: I like, I never really had. I don't have like a big coming out story, which like what I was feel so bad about, but like uh, I think it's because. So, when I was younger, um, uh, after we left university, two of my um, best friends came out to us as having been in a like relationship for a year, and we were all like, "What?" <laughs> uh, and, uh, took everyone by surprise. Um, but one was like my very very best friend, and I th- so she came out as she identifies as lesbian and then the other girl in the relationship doesn't really identify with anything. She kind of identifies as herself and happens to be in a relationship with a woman. I think because my best friend was a lesbian, there was like a huge amount of learning that like my mom went through via my best friend. Like, I think there was so much understanding that parents do have to, when they educate themselves and, and learn so much about what it means for someone, you know, being a lesbian isn't like this different person and everything's going to change. It's just like, just so happens that women make you happy rather than men. So, I honestly think so much learning my mum did through my friend. And then, because I don't know, it was like after my friends came out, like, All of our group just everyone toppled like one by one, and uh, (laughs) more friends started coming out, and more of us were like uh, going out to bars and uh, started hooking up with women. And I think that was kind of what happened for me. I decided like making out with girls at these club nights, and then I started going to more and more club nights, and then I was signing up to these dating sites and was going on dates with women, and then seeing women. And I just said to my mom like I was down visiting her for the weekend, and I was just like, "Hey, so I'm dating someone." She was like, "Oh, it's so exciting!" I was like, "Yeah, it's a girl." And she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, so uh, I'll let you know how it goes. And she was like, okay. And, <laughs> and that was basically it. Like, it was the most, like, non-plus event. And, and like, you know, a few months, like, down the line, probably, like, six months down the line from that, I started building Datch. So I think they never, I don't know, like, maybe that was, like, part of coming out to them of, like, hey, I'm building a lesbian app, like, I'm <laughs> sitting girls. So, and I identify as bi. So I think uh, it's always been, like, a, There's always been, I'll say, like, I'm dating a guy or I'm dating a girl. And there's always, like, the family jokes of, like, what is it this time? (laughs) And I think that's like, parents always do. Um, uh, And then with my dad, like, I never really said much to him. And, uh, like, uh, we had started DATCH and then he came to see me, like, pitch at one uh, startup event. And we were getting the tube on the way back. And he just turned around and he was like, darling are you a lesbian? And like everyone on the tube turned around and looked at me and I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. I was like, no, not quite, but I do like girls. Um, So uh, yeah, I I think probably like with hindsight, maybe I just avoided it and then like lumped it on them, which probably wasn't the most like
0: respectful thing to do. But that was just my way of doing it. That's really interesting to me because I actually came out as bi first. I identified as bi first, which I feel like, with my parents, it was like harder for them to grasp because they always had hope that I would maybe end up with the man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes. Yeah, I think so- that's
1: often the case. Like uh, for bisexual people, I think there's like this deep down thing. Like uh, I, I do think that's the case. I also think people who are bi, like often don't come out as early as they would do or as soon as they start thinking it. I think, you know, people, I imagined, I don't know if this is the case, but for a lot of bisexual people you only like tell your family when there's something to tell them as in because you're answering all these questions yourselves of like cool i know i'm attracted to women but i don't tell my mom every time i go on a date with a guy or every time i like sleep with a guy so why am i going to tell her if i'm like yeah. making out or sleeping with a girl so i'm going to wait until there's someone significant to actually mention it and use that to bring it up and, and i have friends who like uh, well will probably identify as queer or as fluid and that i don't think they have any intentions of telling their parents unless they're in a long-term relationship with someone whichever gender that is
0: yeah i find this all very true and i and i also think that the her app actually allows for people to be who they are right like you you have all yes. these different ways you can identify whereas i feel like a lot of apps lack that um yeah So I'm sure was that part of the thinking too, like having that flexibility to actually identify as what you are versus, you know, being like, and I also don't necessarily believe in labels, but it also makes it a nice way for someone to be clear about who they are and what their intentions are. Right.
1: So yeah, absolutely. I think like the, the one common thing that we say like unites everyone who is inside this product is they they are female or non-binary gendered and they are attracted to women. And that's, it doesn't matter if you're attracted to them and you have a girlfriend or a wife and you're looking to meet other friends or if you're looking for the love of your life or if you're looking to get laid that evening, (laughs) there's a commonality of, it is, but it's like a purpose that sits inside of you. It's something that does make you slightly different or something that identifies like a part of you and finding other people that that's a part of them can often like create a like micro bond between people. And so putting that community of people all together in one space is the thing that brings everyone together. And we don't care. I think there's, I don't know, there's like changing shifts in general society about how people see sexuality. And so we see that inside of the app, like you'll still see, like a large volume of lesbian identified women who don't necessarily like or even agree with the concept of being fluid sexually they think it's really important that you identify as being part of you know to identify as a lesbian is important part of their lives and they think the community and then there's like particularly amongst the younger generations like how they're seeing gender how they're seeing sexuality it's so much more fluid it's shifting and i think Yeah. So we see different like attitudes and mindsets about it. And I think people tend to like aggregate in the groups of the people who see things similarly to them.
0: So that's a good point you brought up about the younger generation, because I feel like Mm. what's great is they have apps like your app and other LGBT apps that they actually can like voice themselves or they're, and they're just so much more confident. I don't know, at least in my opinion, like, I wish these things existed when I was like, 15, 16, kind of being confused and not understanding. So do you notice anything different? I don't even know if you would have this data, but anything different for like the younger users versus like, I don't know, women in their 30s?
1: Yeah, um, uh, we do have it. And I can't remember the exact numbers around it, but it's it's hugely shifting. Like the, the 18-year-olds are so much more heavily towards like not taking a label or identifying as queer. There was like a massive growth in it. I do think a lot of it can be steered around what young people see in the media. So we would see like big peaks in signups and, and shifts of labels when people like Miley Cyrus um, and Cara Delevingne start like, uh, you know, saying that they don't identify as gay, but that they are in a relationship with a woman and that's who they're in love with. And that's, what's important to them. I, I think it's amazing. Like uh, how the impact that they can have, like if you're when kids are coming out at school and saying that they're non-binary gendered, like that would never have happened when I was younger at school, like uh, at high school, it would just, you know, there was one girl at our school that came out as a lesbian. And uh, I remember at the time, just like uh, thinking, Holy crap. Like how, <laughs> how is she doing this? Uh, how, like, uh, and, and she got so much stick for it. And it was just a completely different time. And I think as, as you see that younger generation, then come up and come out, I think it's going to be a completely different way that people see relationships and how they have sex and who they have sex with.
0: I know. I'm very interested to see that future because even now for me, it's just so incredible. Like I'm like, these these people are so confident in who they are. They don't care what anybody else thinks. They're like, this is the way I want to live my life. And this is what I'm going to do, take it or leave it. And I think that's so powerful.
1: Yeah. One of our investors, when he was putting money in, he said, he was like, he was like, I don't fully really understand your community what you do, but he was like, my daughter's 16 and she recently came home and told our family that she was genderqueer. And we all just looked at her like she'd said some biological word that none of us understood. And he was like, I'm starting to understand it. But he was like, you know, for me, he found it interesting as an investor because he saw all these other girls in her class and this set of 16 year olds who were using terms and, and self-identifying in
0: completely new ways. Well, that, that in itself is incredible to me because most people are at least, I mean, maybe in my experience, I don't want to generalize, but they're not as open-minded. So it's great that her father was open-minded to see that and then see how beneficial yeah. your product is. It's like, it's kind yeah. of amazing. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, so this is what I'm trying to find. So there was like a big survey that literally just came out yesterday, which was um, uh, looking at like generations, 13 to 20 year olds by JWT. And uh, only forty-eight percent of them identify as exclusively heterosexual, um, uh, which is like crazy. If if half of them don't identify as heterosexual, that's uh, I mean completely different kinds of numbers than we've ever seen before.
0: Yeah, and with, with, even to me, like in my generation, like. I felt like I was the only person, well, maybe there were like three other girls that played on the basketball team or something that I kind of was like, yeah, they might be gay. (laughs) But for me, I was always like, there's no one that is like feminine or like, you know, what I'm typically attracted to that's like me. Like I never could identify with somebody like me. So it's kind of exciting to see that these younger generations are more fluid um, and not as confined to these labels and just are kind of exploring and figuring out who they really are without, I mean, you know, maybe there is some judgment, but I mean, it just seems like they just have like more of an awareness and, and they just are so confident about it, which I think makes it a lot different. And for even older generations to understand.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So why the name change when you switched to the less dating approach and more of a community approach?
1: Yeah, so um, Datch was originally meant date
0: catch, um, and it was
1: very, like, a dating-driven name for us. It was also virtually impossible to spell, um, which <laughs> caused a bit of problems. So we would notice people would be in clubs, and they would say it was called Datch. Like, in England, it was a little bit easier for people to say. When we started coming to America, they'd be like, Dutch, 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 and uh, then from that, like no one knew how to spell it. So, um, I think we'd been thinking about changing the name, and then as we started making the move into social, we kind of wanted to leave the, a lot of the kind of dating words like heritage, and so. Um, and her felt I don't know. We'd learned so much in the time that Dutch had been out, and her felt like it symbolised more about like you know, if we're a community place, and this is about who you are and who you're attracted to. Everything about that is about her, and so it kind of fitted like what we wanted to be more.
0: Yeah, I love it, and it's so easy. It's like, oh, are you on her? Oh, let me add you as a friend, or oh, you know, it just it just rolls like right off the tongue, and it's it's easy. Yeah. So, did you move to the states to pursue her? Is that part of the reason?
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, just over a year ago, uh, I moved to San Francisco, and it was like the day that her launch. Like, I moved here a day before that. Oh um, my so god! So we, yeah, <laughs> <It was laughs> that, a, that's a little bit a intense. Time. Yeah. <laughs> It was so intense, and then the app broke so much on the first day, and we were pitching at this event, and it was, like, I think it was one of the worst videos of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Everything went wrong. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, I knew tears. So just before that, we'd raised a round of investment, and most of our investors were um, U.S.-based, and they kind of wanted us to be in the U.S., and I think uh, we started hiring people more and more over here, and we were growing much faster over here. I mean, America's just a much Bigger place than the UK, um, and so everything kind of made sure made sense to start shifting things over here. So uh, yeah, packed everything up and moved a year ago.
0: How are you liking it?
1: Good. It's I mean it's San Francisco is very different in itself. Like uh, I, whenever I go to New York, I love it. It makes so much sense to me mentally. It's like London but a bit smaller, um, like geographically. So it's easier to get around, um, but very similar. But more fabulous, New York. New York, I feel like a hotter, cooler version of myself. when I'm there, I love it. <laughs> San Francisco is like uh, San Francisco is like the tech mecca, which means it's got a very different vibe to it. It's a much smaller place. It's, you know, like 800,000 people. Um, everything's very outdoorsy and people go for hikes and sailing, and which are all wonderful things. They're just not things that I'm totally used to or like go up to. So, um, but it's like for work and what we're doing it's it's amazing and it's like beautiful weather here and it's gorgeous and I like it's really nice I think it's great to live somewhere different and experience something
0: different yeah definitely so do you have any advice for our listeners about maybe people that are kind of interested in building something or they have an idea and like like to you is was the risk worth it which I'm sure yeah it's I mean it's I
1: without a doubt I think it's it's been worth it it's been the hardest like few years, and I don't think people can even like fathom how hard it can be to do it. I think the the best like things are advice. It always sounds like really negative when I say this to people when I'm talking to them, and I think it like kills their spirit slightly. But I think it's so important for people to understand like what they think is the answer to the problem that they're looking at. They're probably wrong, and so knowing that you just have one idea, but actually the problem that you're addressing, that's the main thing that you should be focusing on. Like what's the pain point? What are people like struggling with your idea for the solution is ninety five percent likely to be incorrect unless you've run like multiple tech companies or apps before and you understand behavior and how to read and talk to people. So knowing that you're building something first off that's really just about testing how people want to use things, like how they're addressing the problem now, how they might want to address it. That's a huge, a huge learning that I would like thoroughly stress to other people. So doing as much learning as you can off of pieces of paper, off of interviews, of like uh, as many like as uh, inexpensive way as possible I would strongly suggest that and I think uh, just the the number one most important thing is to be as resilient as possible there's no one makes this easier for you no one's just going to give you a business and give you a user base on a plate like you have to work and work and work to make this easy I think people have a notion that these like tech companies start up and then overnight millions of people are using them and they're huge massive companies that's not real it doesn't happen like any company that you look at I mean it's it's so absurdly rare that it happens like any company that you look at they've secretly not secretly they've been operating for like two or three years that like you just didn't know about them until it hit that inflection point so I think it's just absolute like resilience is the thing that I like, get you somewhere
0: so one of the other um questions I have is how was it like working with investors because it's something probably that you've never done before um were you nervous yeah. like was like how was the experience overall with that So there's a difference, there's the difference of like pitching investors
1: to start off with and then um, actually like working with them once they're on your team. Pitching investors is like having a lot of very serious conversations about something you care quite deeply about with a lot of people that you probably shouldn't be talking to about it. So you talk to these people purely in the sense that they have money and they might be interested in your company but a lot of them don't care about the problem or the audience or what it is you're doing. So, um, you have a lot of really awful conversations, frankly. Yeah. So the, the pictures like in the first place are, um, uh, you, yeah, you get really awful, awkward conversations and then you get some that are absolutely incredible, like talking to someone that gets it and gets you and gets the company and wants to put money behind it, like actually invest large sums of cash into what you're doing because they really do understand it it's like the highest high of the feeling and and you know you're going to carry on working with this person and they're absolutely amazing so it it can be really tough and then really fantastic and then as it goes on and you start working with these people i think you just you develop different relationships um, uh, based like you get to know people over time and i think some of it's based on circumstance like who has time who doesn't and then some you'll work with closer. And then as the company moves through different stages, some people are great. Like, we have some, like, very technical investors. We have some very community-driven investors, um, some people who are more businessy. So you kind of lean on different people for different parts. And it is, like, kind of extending the reach of your team out quite a bit further. So when you get the right people, it's it's amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds just like an amazing experience. And it's really awesome what you've done. And I'm, I'm so glad that you made the app. <laughs> like, I really do. <laughs> I, I think it's wonderful. Um, so oh, just... Thanks. So just a step back, probably one of my final questions. So like I was saying earlier, I went to one of the Her events in New York. Do you want to talk about sort of what inspired you to start making those events and about how you kind of have, I don't know what the right term is, I guess maybe the ambassador for each city to host those events and like you're thinking about that and if there's more coming? Yeah. So they started, um, when did it all? We'll start. We'd always
1: done a couple of events in the very early days. We used to do stitch and bitches, and really it was a chance for us to get feedback from users. Then we did a big set when Oranges and New Black came out last year. We just thought it would be cool to watch it with a big group of people. We were like, oh, I wonder if other people would be interested in doing this. So we did a blog post, and loads of people, like thousands, said yes. So we were like, okay, how do we actually organize this? We don't really have time to do it and we can't do it in all the cities. What if we got like a team of people together in each area and they could run it? So we did that and it was really fun. And uh, after it, the team in London that had done it, they all got on really, really well and made kind of like a friendship group with each other. And there was one girl in the team, Viv, who was kind of like, I think she was, she was a project manager with her day job. She was like really good at organizing stuff and she kind of took the lead. And then she said to us like, Hey, I'd love to host something else. Like everyone had a great time. They've asked us if we're doing anything else again. And I would love to organize it for you. And we were like, cool. That sounds great. Yeah. Like, what do you want to do? And so she kind of drove a huge amount of it. And uh, we then, so we started hosting these ones in London and it was just like what we, when we discussed what it is, if we were just doing a kind of general event, we were like, what's, the purpose of the app is for women to meet each other. And so what we don't want to do is like another club night where it's actually very difficult to meet other people because you're like music's loud and you go with your friends and then women get nervous about approaching other women. And so generally you don't. So if we were to do this, how do we do it differently? How do we help women actually meet each other? And so we did it as like a barbecue. I think the first one, was just like a lunchtime grill. And then the next one, uh, I started at five and the next one, and they started getting bigger. It was like a hundred, 200, 300 women, and when we hit like kind of 300 we were like this is fantastic it's so it's such a great event that people are loving what if we could run this in other places and so we knew that we had to get a viv in each city um and <laughs> we had to have that like main driver and so we kind of we reached out to the communities so we did a blog post we asked people to apply and so we have four cities going in the u.s at the moment so there's new york austin portland and san francisco Everyone's done their first event, Portland's done two, San Francisco's coming up, and all of the events, like, it's also because we don't we don't know what's happening locally in each place, like, it needs to be a local person to understand, you know, the last thing we want to do is, like, compete with other events, like, we know it's hard to run, like, a, a business for women, and so we want to support those other businesses, so what we tend to do is go slightly earlier, and then, like, get people to go to the club nights afterwards, so they can all meet each other at the event, and then go party together at a club night if they want to. So it's totally different in every single place like London we just had a soccer tournament with a thousand women um awesome. Austin we had this huge like outdoor space and she had um like a live artist and an improv group the first one in New York was the other week and it was like oysters and um yes. like champagne and I think it's going to be totally different for the next one the Portland one was a brunch and then the last one was like a watchathon to vacation so each one is like a totally different vibe and uh, they're they're great It's like i mean we're really enjoying doing them i think the people who organize them really enjoy doing them i think we're still like we've only done one in each u.s city apart from portland so we're still learning a lot about what's going to be right and what the right method is but we're actually taking someone on full time to kind of manage all of these different cities so i think um we'll probably open up another five cities that we start doing them but i think it's going to be like toronto sydney maybe a couple more u.s ones but actually start going to some of our new countries mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. And even at the event, there was like little surveys at the end to kind of like say like, yeah. what would you like for the next event? Which I think is really good because, you know, maybe i um, more likely to go to the beach barbecue versus, I don't know, the, whatever. But I think it's really great. Exactly. And it's all like
1: community driven. Like the people who organize it are all volunteers that like come together for it. And uh, the one thing that we do is help girls talk to each other. So there should be at every event, like groups of, her girls who talk to you and then start talking to other people and make it and just set the tone that this is like the culture of these events is that you talk to people you don't know. Like that's just what happens. So get on board
0: with it. Exactly. (laughs) What I actually thought was interesting at the New York event, which I've never seen this happen before, was they gave out, and I don't know if you do this at every one of them, but they gave you out uh, a deck of cards. So when you check in, you have this card. So I don't know, I think I was 10. So then you had to find your set of tens and, you know, get together and talk, which is really cool because it's like an icebreaker. Do you typically do that at your events? I mean, I've never, I've been to a lot of networking events. I mean, not necessarily gay events, but you know, I'd never had something like that happen before, but I think it's a great tool. So, you yeah. know. So we'll we'll always have like something
1: of a way of talking to each other. So like in Austin, we had it that you had to have a photo taken with someone that you'd never met before. And then you could get a raffle ticket to win free drinks for the night. So each one. Unlike, uh, we do different stuff for everyone, but again, it's like the whole purpose is for you to talk and meet other women and not necessarily for like to date or be attracted but just start a conversation. Because as soon as you start talking, women have tons to talk about. They'll keep going <laughs> for like ages. <laughs> getting that like initial chat going is like yeah. the hardest thing. Like women will come in their group and you'll sit down and then you're like, oh, I do want to talk to her, but like, I'm kind of cool with just hanging here with my friend and I'll just carry on drinking and I'll still have a great night. And it's like the minute that we make that easier, it, the whole night completely changes and the tone changes.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So where do you see the future of the Her app? Not even a start. I feel like it's more than an app. I feel like it's, you know, you're having these events, you're doing multiple things. I mean, there's like, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like a blog app, and event in one piece. So where do you, which is great. I mean, I think it's something that doesn't exist and it should, and I'm happy that it does, like I've been saying, but yeah, like, where do you see the future of Her going?
1: Yeah. I mean, it should be all the touch points of your community. So when you want to meet other women, it's, we, we hit that at every single point of the brand and whatever we produce. So like if you're using the app, you should be able to have conversations with other women. And whether that's around content that you're interested in or looking at a profile because you want to date someone, like you want to meet that other woman, we will help you do that. Um, you come to the event, you meet other women. It should be every point of what you care about for the community.
0: Awesome. So where can our listeners find you, Um, the Her app, you know, whether it's a website, Twitter, Instagram, you know, everything. Just shout out your uh, handles. Yeah. So (laughs) we are available on the Apple App Store in uh, pretty much every
1: country now. Um, So you can download it for free there. We will be on the Android Play Store from should be around the end of April beginning of may depending on how testing goes um and it will be free in there and then you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram on the same handle which is her social app
0: awesome i'll also link those in the bio um fantastic yes thank you robin so much for coming on it was great um, our it's listeners thanks for having me yes our listeners are going to love this so everyone thanks again for listening um, if you have any questions comments inquiries feel free to email us at hello at nakedandinsideout.com if you like what you're hearing rate us in iTunes you can find us on Twitter Facebook and Instagram all from naked dot com thanks again have a good one